We hope that in, in the years to come that there's more people who are, you know, focusing on and using native Australian ingredients and doing it in a way that is respectful. And I, I just think the best way to, to move forward with that is to, to learn from Indigenous communities and, and be respectful and, you know, support their businesses. Today on Dirty Linen, we are catching up with somebody that we perhaps don't hear much about in the eastern states of Australia, but I reckon he's doing some of the most incredible food events and engagement with produce that is going around. Paul Iskoff runs Fervor, and it is an absolute thrill to catch up with him today. How are you doing, Paul? Good morning, Danny. Very well, thank you. So good to have you on the show. Now, for someone who's never heard of Fervor, how would you describe it? I would describe Fervor as a pop-up roaming restaurant. Um, we have a focus on native Australian ingredients and it's a very intimate dining experience, which is unique each time we do an event. Um, you might find us uh, on the beach or in the forest uh, somewhere out on a salt lake. So majority of our fervor events are uh, outside, outdoors or, or under the stars. Love it. And I've got to get to one one of these days. Um, so just take us there, like give us a couple of examples of events that really stand out in your mind. Yeah, so we've been going for 10 years now. So there's been so many different events mainly throughout Western Australia, but interstate and international as well. Some of the early events were, were quite unique and interesting. Places like the, the Pinnacle Desert, um, Valley of the Giants treetop dinner, where we actually, you know, had our tables set up in the canopy of the trees, you know, probably about 50, 50 metres up. Uh, another one that comes to mind was the Break Sea Islands down in the Great Southern. Just off Albany, we actually um, held an event where guests were able to hop into a helicopter, have a scenic flight over to the island, and then were treated to 18 uh, courses or 18 sort of standing canapes. But we've been lucky to do events throughout and I think one that really stands out to us would be up in Kakadu, we were able to do an event at uh, Kungara, which is this really beautiful location um, on Geoffrey Lee's country. So Geoffrey Lee um, is, a, is an elder um, from up there and he allowed us to do a dinner at Kungara, which had been, I guess, closed off to the public for nearly 20 years and was a really important art site. And over the few days leading up to that event, we, we got to spend time on country with uh, our good friend um, Ben Tyler and the ladies. So we were out collecting um, lots of different yams and, and tubers, different roots, um, seeds and, and grains. And this event up at Kungara with Jeffrey Lee was just, it was such a special event, so much energy there. 
Jeffrey was there to welcome all the guests and we had a smoking ceremony and there was a lot of um, his family and community from Kakadu there, along with guests who'd um, come to join us for the dinner. But it was just a, a really special event and something that really stands out in, uh, you know, our memory. It just sounds absolutely incredible. I mean, it, you're on country um, a lot. I mean, I guess we're always all on country all the time. Uh, tell us about the way that you engage with um, Aboriginal people. Yeah, so a, a big part of what we do at Fervor is spending time on country and, and learning from the traditional custodians. So we don't have a bricks and mortar restaurant and therefore we are traveling a lot. So there's so many different regions in Western Australia. And whenever we go to a different region or new town, new area, we try and connect um, with the traditional custodians before each event. And a lot of the time that's spending a day out on country, going out to, to collect ingredients. But, you know, sometimes it's, Sometimes those ingredients aren't always there or the season isn't fantastic. So the really important part for us is to learn about the country that we're standing on and, and listen to the stories, um, you know, from, from these elders because for us that gives us a, a sense of place and an understanding of, of where we are and also a deeper respect for, for that location. Uh, and Paul, what are some of the ingredients that you've encountered on these journeys? What you know, what are some of the the ingredients, flavors, and the, the dishes that you've created from them that really stand out in your mind? Gee, we're so we're so lucky in Western Australia. Um, it's it's such a big state and and really diverse. I guess a few of the ingredients that represent Western Australia really well, or I think do anyway, um, are things like Yolk, kulu, and and bloodroot. Um, you know we have these incredible honey ants um, from the gold fields as well that are like some of the best honey or nectar that you've ever tasted. And these ingredients are, are super delicious and really special. But I think a lot of the time, it's actually the process of um, harvesting or or collecting these ingredients that is really really special as well for instance with the the honey ants we're able to go out um, with the ladies in the gold fields um, a lot of the time there's other family members there so some of the younger family members who are coming out to to learn from the ladies and speak in language and they get down and, and start digging in the hole and to dig for honey ants is a, is a day-long process. Out in the sun, it's really hot and these ladies keep digging and digging and then all of a sudden you find these beautiful little honey ants. You hit a little pocket and this hole um, that you're digging for these honey ants can sometimes be, you know, almost waist or chest deep. Um, so, a, so much work goes into these, into collecting these 
honey ants and when you finally see them and, and dig them out and you have that first taste it is it's a it's a really special experience and I think being able to do that go out on country and and learn and and see the process of collecting these ingredients gives us a deeper respect for those ingredients and also for the the, the land that we're standing on so you know, there's there's so many instances like that. Um, we we have kangaroo and emu, crocodile, um, so a lot of unique protein that that are all really healthy for us. Um, things like the bloodroot represents the Great Southern um, and Southwest region of uh, Western Australia, and the bloodroot is it's a relative of the kangaroo paw, so. When you dig down about a foot, you get this beautiful bulb um, and you brush the sand off and cut into it and, and you see this bright, bright red, um, redder than, you know, the brightest chilli. And this root, when you first taste it, it's, it's spicy, it's chilli um, and it just has this impact of a unique unique flavor and and a unique look to it as well so there's so many different um ingredients in western australia that that we love to play with i think cool you was one of the ones that you mentioned so that's a tuber isn't it yeah the the cool you is is like a um a tuber it, you do spend a lot of time digging down to to get the cool you and depending on um, how big it is, the, the flavour will change. Some people call it um, the native sweet potato, um, but the kulu is it's quite an interesting ingredient. When you roast it on the coals or in a pan, it almost, um, as it caramelises, it's almost like a, um, a, a nashi pear crossed with uh, a, a potato, but it, has this beautiful, crisp, crunchy texture to it. Um, and Kulu is, is found, um, you know, sort of in, in quite a wide region of Western Australia. Very, very delicious. Uh, I just feel like what you do must be so endlessly interesting. You must always be learning and the connections, yeah, just sound really meaningful that, you, that you're making with the place place you live and places you visit. I mean, what took you to create and cook like this? Yeah, I guess cooking for me, I, I, I fell into cooking through through surfing um, at about the age of 19 or 20. So in my early days, I wasn't all that interested in, in cooking. I, was, I just wanted to, to surf. And the reason that I fell into cooking was – um, I got to, to cook at night and which freed me up to go surfing during the days. And a lot of the, um, I guess, early days of my surfing was around forests and there was always a walk in to, to a beach or a location. So we were always walking past these beach herbs and um, I guess tubers and seeds and, you know, Within a few years of my um, 
apprenticeship, I was really interested in the native Australian ingredients. And we were lucky enough to use some of those in, in different restaurants. But it was only sort of scratching the surface, just sort of your more common ingredients like wattle seed and pepperberry and lemon myrtle. And then over the years, um, we started using more ingredients, but I was just puzzled in why there was only a handful or, or so ingredients that were commonly used um, in restaurants or even in home cooking. So for me, it just became one of those things that I wanted to, to learn more about. Um, I wanted to, to know why, you know, we weren't using all these different ingredients. There's thousands of native Australian ingredients out there. And when I came back from um, around the world trip, I travelled in 2012 um, and got to visit a lot of different restaurants around the world. When I came back, the plan was to, to solely focus on native Australian ingredients. Um, and I guess further began with just a, a simple pop-up in an outdoor um, open air sort of barn. And we thought we'd, we'd test the waters, see what people thought. And I guess 10 years later, we're, we're still continuing to do pop-ups. And the reason that we're still doing that is it gives us the opportunity to travel to different regions. Um, we get to see beautiful parts um, of Western Australia. We get to spend time out on country and, and meet new people and, and learn about new ingredients. So for us, we're, we're really lucky to sort of travel with the seasons and um, just continue to, to learn as, as we go. When you travelled, Paul, you did work at some pretty incredible restaurants, so Koi with Daniel Patterson in California and Pujol in Mexico City and Dom with Alex Atala. Like, did you see a different sort of engagement with native ingredients at some of those restaurants? Yes, yeah, certainly. I mean, they were, um, you know, hugely inspirational for, for us at Fervor. Um I think that they were really engaging with uh, local community and, and going out and foraging um, with them. They, they were also very respectful of the ingredients. Um, Alex Atala was a, you know, a huge influence on the way that he approached ingredients that, you know, they hadn't been used all that often in restaurants before and how he engaged with um people in the Amazon and um, Indigenous people from, from throughout, it, for me, I was just like, wow, this is, this is incredible and why aren't we doing more of this back home in Australia? Um, but, yeah, I think that, you know, for us from, from the very beginning, it was, it was clear what we wanted to, to do and get out there and learn about these native Australian ingredients. But... It's, it came so quickly um, after we started further that to, to do that, we really needed to learn more about Aboriginal culture, um, the country that we stand on and have a, you know, a deep respect for that. I mean, 
Do you, I can see how enriching and fun and engaging and just all consuming this work must be for you personally. But do you have a project? Like, is there a sort of, you know, are you trying to really create change in the broader community in, with the work that you do? I think for us, one of the, the main things that we hope to achieve when people come to a dinner is, I mean, number one, we want to create something that's unique and and memorable and, you know, different. It's something, uh, something that you can't recreate again. But we really encourage all our guests to spend time on country and seek out cultural tours and, um, you know, when they want to learn more about these ingredients, we... We've made so many great friends over the years in, in different parts of Western Australia. So we encourage them to, to support their businesses. Um, you know, I think that in, in the years to come, we really want to see people using these native Australian ingredients um, at home in the, you know, in your everyday cooking and to do that, I think it's really important to support, you know, Aboriginal businesses and businesses that are supporting Aboriginal communities. So for us, you know, we want to make it as accessible um, as possible for people and, and let them know that these ingredients are, are not only super delicious, they're, they're really healthy for us, but they're also, you know, um, very approachable as well. I mean, when you talk about you know, putting tables up in treetops and, and things like that, it, 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 there must be a lot of challenges that you encounter. I mean, what are some of the particularly perhaps difficult moments that you've had with um, getting further events up and running? Yeah, I mean, each, each week is um, a different location and, and a new pop-up, so... So much goes on behind the scenes. Majority of the work that goes into an into a further event is, you know, the the logistics and the paperwork and the organisation, and that's before we even, you know, get to the food. Um, if we're doing a further dinner, it's normally, you know, um, fourteen to sixteen different bites of food or different courses. So we have over four hundred things on our um, checklist or things to do. And majority of that is logistics and organization before getting to a location. Um, you know, when you're 80 kilometers from the closest town and you've, and you've forgot, um, a block of butter, there's, there's sort of no turning back. So, so you need to be, um, really organized. And we also just need to be prepared for, whatever's thrown our way, weather is one of those things that we're always, um, you know, keeping our eye on and, and trying to make sure that we've picked a great location. Um, we've, been, we've been caught out a few times. Wind is always a, a tricky one for us. And there has been instances where we've been caught in the rain um, towards end of dinners. But, you know, I think that's the beauty of it um each event is is different and unique and um it, it's one of those beautiful things where you can be sitting out next to a, a rocky 
granite outcrop. And one of the first courses is a Kwandong dish. And then you can look over and 20 metres from the table, there's a, a Kwandong tree with, you know, all this beautiful fruit on it. So there's that, there's that real connection to, um, you know, the, the country that we're standing on and, and you know, the, the food that we're serving. So for us, it's, although there's huge challenges, um, it, it's unique and, and, and keeps us on our toes um, each event. And, I mean, do you have Fervor fans that just come back again and again or do you find that it's usually people that are encountering what you do for the first time? Uh, yeah, we, we have people who have been coming since, you know, the, the very first year, which is, which is fantastic to see. Um, you know, whenever we go back to uh, the same town, so say Muck and Boudin out in the Wheatbelt is a place that we've been going for 10 years now and it's the same community that come back to each dinner and for that, it, it just means, you know, we, we have so much support from them and we want to give them something different and, and unique each time. So we make sure that the menu's different and the location's different um, so that they're getting a different experience um, at each dinner. And, and we've really found that over the years, now we have people travelling to different locations. So people are willing to to drive from Perth uh, out to Muck and Boudin or up to the Pilbara or even the Kimberley to experience something different and sort of get away for a weekend and, um, yeah, get, get out and about. Yeah, I feel like if I was in WA, I'd just plan my life around your events because I'm sure you just could, I would discover, yeah, new flavours, new, new places, meet great people. I'm sure the events just attract the best people. Um, do you ever find that people don't quite get what you do? Like, is are there some misunderstandings that you strike over and again? I think potentially um, before people have come to a to an event, they don't really understand um, how complex it is and how how much goes into each event. Um, it's it's a real, I guess. It's a different experience than sitting down um, in a restaurant because each location is different and each menu is different. It's it's constantly evolving and changing. So when people actually come to a further dinner and, and sit down and get to experience it, I think, you know, a lot of the time they walk away with a different, um, I guess, they walk away with a different picture of what fervor is. Um, so it's really, yeah, it's really, I guess, I don't know. I think you need to come along to a fervor dinner to really experience it and understand um, the story that we're trying to tell. Mm. Well, I reckon you're doing a great job of explaining it <laughs> to us in words. Um, what about transformations in the lives of people that you work with? Like I just imagine it just there just must be some incredible life pivots that people have been able to take through what you do yeah i mean we're we're really lucky that we have um an incredible team and 
you know, we, we want to give back to the team um, and, and also the people that we collaborate with and, and work with over the years. So for us, being able to, to go to a new location and introduce our team to um, community and, and, and get them out on country to learn and um, connect, it's, that's really important to us. And, you know, we, we hope that in, in the years to come that there's more people who are, you know, focusing on and using Native Australian ingredients and doing it in a way that is respectful um, and we hope that there's guests who come to dinners um, who enjoy these ingredients and want to just head home and, and cook with all these beautiful different flavours. Um, and I, I just think the best way to, to move forward with that is to, to learn from Indigenous communities and, and be respectful and, you know, support their businesses. I mean, you've, you've spoken a bit about, you know, the access, you know, that you're digging for a day to find the honey ants and, you know, you, yeah, certain people need to be doing that. You can't just start digging a hole any, just any which way. Um, I mean, access and continuity of supply is something that chefs often talk about when, you know, they, talk, they express a willingness or a desire to use Indigenous ingredients, but um, it's just some, can be hard to fit them into menus do you have any advice for people who you know would love to explore this space more yeah and you're so right in in saying that the um, supply and demand is is a very tricky one I think you know as as chefs we we just need to be understanding of the seasons and you know as an ingredient sort of um, is coming to the end of the season or the supply is finishing, we need to be able to go, all right, well, I understand that we've got limited amount, we're gonna we're gonna change a dish. And and that's easy for me to say because we're cooking for, you know, 40 people and the menu changes each each weekend. So we're able to utilize small quantities of these ingredients. But when it comes to <clears throat> larger restaurants, um, and people doing huge covers, it it does become tricky. So I think it's it's a matter of sort of working with some of those ingredients that are um, more available, um, and then with some of the more unique ingredients and and things that only have a, a smaller supply. It's just using them sparingly or being, I guess open to putting on a dish for a, a shorter amount of time. I think that, you know, as we move forward, the, the more demand for these ingredients, I think we're going to see um, the supply getting better. There's a lot of um, communities that are going out and wild harvesting, um, but there's also communities that are actually um, growing and farming on a small scale which I think is, is fantastic for um, some of these communities. And, and if we can support them and, and just be okay with when, when a product or ingredient is, is coming to the end of the season, um, I think that's just something that we, we need to keep in mind. 
Yeah, and I guess, you know, as you mentioned, it's really important to look for Aboriginal-owned businesses that are supplying these ingredients and that's going to be different in different parts of the country. But, um, yeah, it's certainly a, a massive issue when, when we start looking into this space. Yeah, definitely. I think um, for us in, in Western Australia, we're really lucky with how many um, Indigenous-owned businesses there are. And there's a lot of businesses out there who are um, really supporting Aboriginal communities and, and working with them. So it's just about um, seeking those out and, yeah, you're going to you're going to support them and, and in turn, there's going to be a better supply down the track of these ingredients. Uh, so, Paul, I'm not coming to a further event in the next few weeks, but if I was, uh, and I'm just going to imagine that that is true, what would you feed me? What's coming up? Oh, so we, we're down in the Great Southern in Albany um, next week and we're lucky enough to do an event um, with Kuramia um, and Auntie Venice and, and Larry are uh, um, elders from down uh, in Albany on Manan country. And we're doing a, a, a lunch with them um, at the, the Albany fish traps. So the fish traps are over 6,000 years old um, and they're down near Oyster Harbour. So along that sort of stretch, there's a lot of um, river and coastal herbs. So I guess your things like samphire and sea celery and saltbush. Um, but we're going to be using things like um, the bloodroot that I talked about earlier and the yolk, which is uh, another tuber, um, almost like a rad, radish carrot kind of flavour and texture. Um, we always use yonga or, or kangaroo for our main course. So, yeah, kangaroo is something that I think is really underutilised in Australia. Um, and, you know, we do a lot of ferments as well. So something like the the wattle seed and seaweed miso with that kangaroo. Um, and whenever we've got kangaroo on, we have our wattle seed damper, um, our, our smoked butter, which we smoke with sandalwood, and then our slippery jack and wattle seed uh, fervamite to go with that as well. Um, along with a range of other <laughs> ingredients. Um, but yeah, I think that's something that really stands out for us is the the kangaroo and, and damper as a main. Oh, that just sounds so good. You really took me there. Um, I think you're right about kangaroo and it is becoming a bit more accessible. Um, there has been, it is possible for wild um, harvested kangaroo to be served in, in more places or supplied in more places around the country these days. For chefs who are thinking that, yeah, actually they should have some roux on the menu, what are some good uh, preparations, cuts, dishes to start with? I mean, we always love the tail. Um, it, kangaroo tail braised is is to die for, especially coming into to winter in the colder months. Um, we also, I guess, majority of the time are using the kangaroo fillet 
um, and, and sort of cooking that. Um, if you're if you're lucky enough to have a little char grill or an open fire, it, it just works so well um, over the charcoal and you get that smokiness into it. Um, but there's there's a lot of different cuts. We've been using the kangaroo shoulder. Um, we use the kangaroo spines for all our stocks, but also the meat on there is beautiful um, to use in a ragu or um, pick down into, um, I guess you could use it for little canapes and things like that. But yeah, I think, you know, kangaroo is extremely healthy for us. Uh, it's in abundance and, um, yeah, when, when cooked well, it's, it's super delicious. Yeah. Awesome. Wow. You sold me and I just, I don't reckon I've ever had kangaroo shoulder and never thought to use spine. So that is really, yeah, that's, that's great. Super yeah, it's so exciting. Um, Paul, always so great to catch up and hear what you're doing. Um, just, yeah, I just I just got to get there, right? It's got to happen. You just, you just got to come over and visit and um, experience it all. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So does everybody who's listening to this. Um, thank you so much for making the time to have a chat. It's, um, yeah, really just a pleasure. And, yeah, congratulations on everything you're up to. Thanks, Danny. Great to chat. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.